everyone. Welcome to another episode on the Leading Safely podcast. Today I have a fantastic episode for you with a brilliant special guest all the way from the United States. My special guest has led an interesting life and is currently a health and safety manager at a tech company. His name is Zach Leach. Zach's path started in a town of under 300 people in the Appalachian foothills of Ohio. His family hovered around the poverty line, making the best of what they had. Through determination, struggle and grit, he was able to attend university and change the trajectory of his life. Zach says this was the origin of his transitional character. From those humble roots, he travelled to over 30 countries and has worked in a dozen more. His career field in safety has been refined by the diverse experiences he has lived. He's attuned to humanising safety and identifying workers as the solution. Through his experiences, he's had the opportunity to lead high-performing multinational teams on multi-billion dollar construction, infrastructure, mining and semiconductor projects around the world. I am sure that you will find my chat with Zach as awesome as I did. So here it is. So hi, Zach. Thanks for joining me on the Leading Safely podcast. Uh, Thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to this for a couple of weeks. Oh, that's great. Um, as you know, I like to ask all of my special guests for health and safety related questions. And the first one is around what do you think makes an effective health and safety leader? Well, you know, I was thinking about something unique here, but one of the things you're really good at is, is you find a lot of people that are really open minded and come up with a lot of similar things. So a lot of what I what I thought about for this question is pretty similar to some of your other guests. And one of the main ones I think for being effective is someone that, that listens to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, far too often we, we find people that just, you know, listen to respond or, you know, get out of the, an uncomfortable situation where we just don't listen to really understand what's going on or how we got to where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think having empathy, you know, empathy for the worker, empathy for the scenario that we're in. Um, you know, far too often I, I found in my career that we, we find a lot of people that are more like firefighters and, and I'm not a huge fan of firefighter safety. Uh, we, we don't need reactive people or, or reactive uh, attitudes. So have empathy on, on why we got there. Hey, look at, at the worker. What were the choices that they had? How did they, they arrive at that, at that place? And that's something I think it, I've started to develop over my career. Mm-hmm. And it's something I think will be you know, constantly refined to, to get better at it. But, th- but that's what I really think to be effective. Okay, that's great. And then no doubt in your career, you've come across these people that have kind of been really, you know, stuck in their ways and don't want to make that positive health and safety change. And you've obviously led teams where perhaps you might have had team members that might have been kind of stuck and really rigid in their approach to things. What kind of words of wisdom would you give to someone who is, you know, like stuck in their in their ways and not wanting to make that change? Well, this is the one that I flagged out of your, your questions as being the silver bullet question. Yeah, okay. There's no real silver bullet to to solve it. Uh, but with that, <clears throat> I think we got to fill our, our tool set with, with different tools to use to, to uh, approach the problem. And, and a lot of what I've found to be successful is, you know, meet the person where they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, at least in the, in the safety realm, we're kind of an easy target for the, that pressure relief when someone's angry. Um, there, there was a video that went viral not long ago. I, I believe it was Matt Damon told a story about Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wanted to do a, a stunt for Mission Impossible. And the safety guy told him no. And he said, I just got another safety guy. <laughs> and I feel like that really resonates with a lot of safety people, at least on a project side. Most definitely. 
yeah you stay underground and, and at the end yeah. of the day they're like all right well, you're not putting pipe in the ground you're not paving a road you're, you're yeah. easier to replace than than the yeah. you know the tradesman so <laughs> yeah so I, I think a lot of times safety people get a get a bit of an unfair shake because people know they can push them a little harder than they probably could with a, a production level in person so i like to meet people where they're at you know find out how we got to where we are be patient uh, mm -hmm. the u.s marines have a saying you know, slow is smooth smooth is fast okay so, the ship's already sailed, so you're not going to turn it around. So influence it as much as you can to, to kind of redirect where we're going to get mm -hmm. closer to where we need to be. Uh, a lot of times we may not get there, may not even get close, but if we can, uh, you know, meet the people where they're at, you know, explain things in their terms, uh, mm -hmm. ways that they understand and, and be persistent with it, you know, hopefully we can influence some change with them. Uh, you also had recently put a post from from Sydney Decker about people making choices based on their options. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that for me was mind-blowing. It's so obvious, but I was like, that is brilliant. You know, it's so often we want to put blame on workers, but we don't really think about what their real options are. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, Narcos was a popular show not that long ago on, on Netflix, and you know, Pablo Escobar gave the option, you know, the Pluma or Plata. Well, how many times did we do that to a worker? Yeah. You, know, you, you get the hammer or, or you do what I tell you to do. Yeah. And the worker just makes the best out of their, their situation, so... I think a lot of times if we just go in and take a step back from from what's making that person difficult or expressing that that frustration and explain how we can be better um that's really a way to to deal with them and and then at the end of the day if you're not a fit you're never going to get along with everyone uh, don't be afraid to leave don't be afraid yeah. to, to change the location to yeah. find find your tribe yeah no i agree um make it yeah pivot I've definitely been in some situations where I, I have I have been let go, as in I've been replaced as the safety person because they needed someone easier or a little bit more bendier than what I was allowing. Um, and then I've, I've definitely been in situations where I've had to hold my ground and then obviously leave the situation because I felt like it compromised my values as a safety professional and as a human even, uh, you know, what you allow to stand. So I, I often tell people in courses sometimes you have to draw a line and you have to call it and walk away yeah i mean absolutely I mean, did they put you in the credits for mission impossible <laughs> no that was not <laughs> me that they were replacing zach not at all. <laughs> just kidding <laughs> just get another you know, no I, I respect that because I, I find a lot of people like you know through my safety network they get burnt out over the years yeah uh, because they, you know they they have the best of intentions yeah and after a while you feel like the only sane person in, in the insane asylum yeah. And you wonder, like, why am I doing this? Most definitely. And I think you should move before you get to that point. You know, like nobody Absolutely. wants to do that happen to any professional, let alone one in our industry. So, yeah, it's not, not a good thing. Um, my third question is really an interesting one, and I'm very curious to see what your response will be <laughs> in regards to if you had all the money and all the resources and, you know, opinions matter, so no one was going to judge you on what you were going to create. If you could um, solve a workplace health and safety issue with an invention, what would you create and why? Oh, this is another interesting one. You know, I've heard some of your guests where they come up with something that's you know, straight out of science fiction. <laughs> yep. Which, you know, in all honesty, it seems like a stretch, but really, if you look at a lot of the science fiction things, you know, from the 40s and 50s, they've become reality today. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Yeah, the Jetsons had a robot. I mean, she cleaned the house. Now we've all got a, a robot in our house to vacuum. <laughs> yeah. What a thought. So, yeah, I think on that one, you know, it, it is a great question to get people to dream big and think. The, the one thing that I came up with was a bias indicator. 
you know, maybe, oh. maybe Elon Musk is working on this right now with Neuralink. I, I don't know, but okay. having even with like a Google Google Glass type of device, if we had something where we go into a conversation, and then when we're being biased, you know, whether it's conscious or unconscious, having it brought to our attention in the moment, mm-hmm. so we can redirect, you know, reopen our, our mindset on on what we're talking about or what we're trying to create. I think that would just be an amazing device. I mean not only for health and safety, but even in relationships. Yeah. A lot of times we, we cling to what we know or we cling to our experience and it hinders our progress. So having that bias like brought up into our face and you know, alerting, hey, stop, you know, think, you're not listening anymore. <laughs> I, I think that would be an absolutely amazing device to, to you know, make things better. Hmm, I'm not sure whether my husband would bankroll the idea or want to have it squashed. <laughs> <laughs> Understanding biases. I do like the idea of perhaps, you know, like from an event learning or investigational perspective, you know, like having something thrown in your face that kind of says, hang on a second, you're bringing that hindsight bias or that outcome bias to the situation. That, yeah, that absolutely. Interesting kind of thing and, and would jolt you into, well, let me take on a different perspective. So I like that idea. It's not too controversial. I thought you might have come up with something very, co- you are from Texas, aren't you? Like <laughs> normally there's big and bold. Brad Green came up with the blame checker, you know, like it sends an alarm that says you're, you're blaming people, stop. So. <laughs> well, my my wife and I, we're, we're pandemic new to Texas. So Arizona is oh, where we would normally right. call home and, and she's Brazilian, but yeah, we uh, we haven't quite adapted to the loudness of Texas yet. <laughs> okay. I'll check back with you in six months. You might have a different one, like a zapper or something for people that are silly, perhaps. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> and then obviously throughout, you know, you've had quite an interesting <clears throat> career in the safety field and kind of moved up, you know, the ranks to where you are today. If you could go back and give yourself some words of wisdom and some advice to help you survive and thrive in your career, what what would you say to your younger self to help you along your journey? Well, one thing that really came up uh, uh, recently was uh, Jason Coons started a blog entries uh, sometime during the pandemic. He works for 3M. He's a very uh, interesting and engaging guy. And one of the things he had brought up was his personal board of directors. And I had done that without really realizing that's what I had done. And it's something that I really wish I would have done earlier in my in my life. And it's surrounded myself with with competent people. Mm-hmm. That, that I respect and you know listen to and have a you know diverse opinions. So when I come up with a, a personal issue or a, a career issue or a crossroad in my career, I have people that I talk to and and I bounce ideas off of them and, and they'll tell me, yeah, that's a great idea. Or, are, are you insane? Don't don't do that. And then we also talk about different industries of of work or projects that that we work in and and we bounce ideas off of each other. So I think setting up a <clears throat> A personal board of directors is, is something that I really wish I'd have done a lot earlier because mm-hmm. it would guide myself through the career. It's like a kind of like a mentorship on steroids. And, and with that, you know, there's multiple people and then don't be afraid to change the seats like any any board, you know. Yeah. We're all on a journey. We're not all here to the end. Um, so find people that are, are with you for that time that you're at and then the time that you're aspiring to get to. And then you have some people that are with you all the way through. I mean, my wife, she's on my board of directors and, uh-huh. and she's going to be there to the end. She's Catholic, so we don't have a choice. So death do you part, literally. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my thing on that, on that one. Um, I'd also want to <clears throat> say I have a bias for action. You know, far too often in my safety career, I've seen safety people that are just really inactive. They sit back, they wait for things to happen. Yeah. They wait to be told what to do. 
And to me, that's a major disservice to the industry as well as themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and, and even early in my career, I would look at it where you know, people are like, oh, we just, we wait for a call. And then we, you know, we, you put the cape on their polo shirt and they save the day. Yeah. Um, that's not the way it works. So yeah. have a bias for action, do things and don't be afraid to fail. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, you don't work for NASA most likely. So failure is an option. Yeah, no, that's true. So learn from your failures, build off of them. NASA, I think it's an option. We've seen how many, you know, different projects <laughs> have tried to get off the ground kind of fail. You know, right. Catastrophically, you know, lives, money, all that kind of thing, unfortunately, is attached to it. But I don't think there's any industry or, you know, company where failure is not an option. It's just right. the consequence of that failure is very different with such high stakes like NASA. So absolutely. Yeah. They're very, very good word, words of wisdom, I think, you know, for anyone kind of thinking about what do I need to do as I start my journey in safety and how do I how do I get where I need to be? And, the and village, then, I, I like the village part. Yeah, and then the last part is establish boundaries. Yep. That was something that I, I really failed with until okay. the pandemic brought it to a head. And, and then uh, working from home, yep. people had a window into my personal life that they typically wouldn't have. Okay. So, so that that was a big, uh, big shift for me is you know setting that boundary between my home and my work life. Yeah. Uh, I, I've had a, a few managers that were more interested in my personal life than than the the professional life, mm -hmm. and that's not how. I mean, it has a place, but once I set that boundary and didn't let people into every detail of my life, uh, you know, I was much happier and much more productive, and uh, that, that's something I feel like I would have benefited from had I done it much earlier in my career. Okay, that's that's an interesting perspective because we often talk about managers needing that genuine care and interest. I know, um, you know, like in people's lives, but you're saying yeah. you had the opposite, unfortunately, where people have been too interested in your personal life. Yeah, I mean, it's a delicate balance. It really yeah. is. And I think it's also a generational concern. Yeah. As right. we go through the, the different generations, like yeah. one of my more recent <clears throat> experiences, I had a, uh, um, a manager from the baby boomer generation mm -hmm. and he would have a staff call and he would spend 50 minutes of an hour talking to people about you know football and, and their kids and then when we get down to work we would never get anything done yeah and then it was always uh, the panic meetings that hey i need this done like in the next 15 minutes for a meeting yeah. <laughs> yeah it's tough i'm an extrovert but i'm also of the opinion that you don't come to work to make friends you come to work to do a job and make money um, yeah. so, you know, like you, you have a village and sometimes as you get through life, you may not necessarily need to add to that village as great as the people you work with may be and your bosses and your, you know, friends, you know, people <laughs> in that situation. We don't need to collect people that don't necessarily bring value. And I think unfortunately that comes with, you know, like getting older and kind of your time yeah. is valuable. And, you know, when you have kids or when you reach different milestones, you, you recognize that life is very short and you can't waste your time with people who, who don't bring value, you know, like to it. So exactly. Tough yeah, life. you want people to stretch you. It's a hard balance too for yeah. a safety professional because we have to be relatable to people and care and have empathy and, and yeah. care. Yeah. Yeah, no, com completely agree with you. So sorry that you had to go through that. <laughs> it's not nice. Apologies on behalf of your stalkers or whoever else you had that was <laughs> following you down in your, your personal life. Um, and then we were chatting earlier, I guess, in regards to, you know, what you're passionate about and what you've been impacted by as a safety professional. And I understand, I guess you have some insights around, you know, incident rates and how they're 
the, the impact they have and the validity of those that you might want to share with my listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> we, we spend a lot of time in the U.S., at least in the U.S., I, I think globally as well, focusing on recordable rates and lost time incident rates, Yeah, the, the lagging indicators. And I, I, my professional opinion is we use them incorrectly. Um, and there's a lot of, of, I guess, movement recently on moving to leading indicators and moving away from the lagging ones like the recordable rate, lost time rates. And recently I put a post up about it being the, the look good index. And, and that, I, yeah, I got from Ty Conklin and Sydney Decker, um, the Safety Differently book. And I, I really love that because I feel like that's really what it is. Uh, they're abused numbers. Uh, it's This is gonna be a really unpopular take, but that's small okay. companies, <laughs> right? That's okay. Give me, un- give me unfollowed or the torches are light, but small companies a lot of times have really high rates because they don't know how to, to properly do the record keeping in the US. Uh, we had talked <clears throat> about it where yeah, someone will, will say, hey, I, I don't feel 100%, and the company will say, take a few days off, take off the rest of the week. Now they've got a lost time injury or they have a, a recordable, and all they've done is try to take care of their employees. Yeah. You know, they, they, they try to treat them like family, you know, let them rest, let them get back to 100%, and then bring them back to work. And then the flip side of that coin is now when they bid work, they're going to get punished for it because their incident rates are more severe than they actually are. And it's not really indicative of the company being safe or caring for their employees. Yeah, it, it is a, a fine line and I've definitely been in situations where I can attest to, you know, statistics being fudged, people who should be off, you know, being brought in to do things like colour in, like children's colouring in because they don't <laughs> want to take on like the the statistic and then the focus on that statistic, you know, being there in the first instance, you know, it is a waste of time and it, it's, yeah, it, it's a very interesting kind of space <laughs> um, when you talk about it. Yeah, especially from that positive, you know, like viewpoint, like if you're, you're really trying to do the right thing and allow that worker to have the time off and, you know, build that relationship with the doctor as well, who understands that, hey, you know, that they might not have anything else. So the, the best option for that person to recover both mentally and physically is to be off work. Um, and then you've, you've got the opposite, the companies that will, you know, push the worker to return so they don't carry that stuff as well. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard of a few companies where they, they you know, force the worker into doing charity work Yeah, you know, as, a, as a part of their function just to, to avoid it. And then I've heard of others where they you know, legitimately care for the employee and tell them to take the time. And then I've also seen <clears throat> others where they'll, they'll do the, uh, as I said earlier, the dark arts of, mm-hmm. of case management <laughs> where they treat an underlying condition or they, you know, use uh, the English language in a way that's, that's kind of loose to avoid a recordable language. Yeah. And then that's how they artificially bring their rates down. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's not very uh, truthful for your clients, but, but it happens. And it yeah. seems like the, the more we get invested in these numbers and we look at how to, to manipulate them and bring them to a level that's acceptable for a bid, it, it's almost like a den of thieves. Everybody's just jumping in, seeing how they can find that angle to make them more competitive. Um, yeah. To win work on their on their rates when they're not really looking at the employee healthcare anymore of okay are, are we actually hurting three people a year and, and why are we doing this it it's just becomes a sales tool yeah no I, I completely agree with you and it's such a strong like so, strong space you know terrible space but you know such a strong it's a very different stance you know to what everyone is used to as well you know such focus is placed on it so completely but, agree with you yeah and i mean on a on a high note, I mean, I think a lot of the the movement recently to leading indicators and then like the the CSRA from University of Colorado, mm-hmm. they're doing a lot of really good things. Uh, 
yeah. Matt Comfer from Quanta, yeah. bringing out the capacity model. Yes. I mean, there are so many great things that are happening to, to really engage on how we can protect people and, and you know other things to look at than just yeah. some LGI number of, you know, do they look good or not? You know, hire them. Yeah. You know, we, we pop the hood and see what we actually have uh, have working. I think we have a lot of really good things and it's, it's a good time to be in safety. No, definitely. And yeah, challenging the status quo and the norm, I think, is where we need to be as opposed to just going with the flow and doing what we've always done. I mean, that is the definition of craziness. So, you know, like I think right. we need to yeah keep testing the waters until we find something that fits as opposed to just giving up and going, well, you know, TRIR or TRIFRA in Australia is where things are at. Let's leave it at, you know, at that and go with what we always have done before. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to stick with that, I mean, we, we might as well go back to the cave and gather around the fire. <laughs> That's a pretty blatant statement. I take it back. That is the Texan in you coming out. <laughs> if you're going to go with Trooper, then you might as well go back to being a cave person. <laughs> I like it. Awesome. Well, it's been obviously fantastic to chat to you. Um, you know, we'd spoken on LinkedIn a couple of times. Nice to actually put a, a face to a name and, and meet you almost in person. Um, so appreciate you taking time out of your day to join me and share those insights with my listeners. Uh, thanks for having me. I, I feel honored to be on here. I, I don't feel like I deserve to be a guest, but oh. I'm happy you reached out and, and it was great to meet with you and, and speak about some things. Awesome. Thank you. Well, there you go. How'd you find my chat with Zach? He was super upbeat and positive, which, as you all know, is exactly like me. His comments around the frequency rates really hit home for me. And I can tell you that I'm actually working on a pretty major project at the moment in that space of the whole, you know, recordable injury rates. So watch out for more information. It is a really big deal for me. So once the work is in the bag, I shall share that project and news with all of you. Well, that brings us to the close of another episode. Until next time, stay safe.